Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30, and, of course, that's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back into the studio Roger and Gwen Elliott. Good morning, both of you. Hi, Pam, and everybody out there. It's a while since we've been around. It has been. You've been globetrotting again. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yes. And hi from me too. (laughs) Yes, it's good to have you back in the studio, and you've brought in such an abundance of flowers. It's Wow, it's like a florist shop. Yeah, well, look, I was only at a... Pick a few, and then uh, <laughs> you got carried away. Did get carried away, and even brought in a non-Australian plant, <laughs> which I nearly, I nearly fell oh, off no. the chair at. But yeah, no, actually, two, two, two. 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 Yep. <laughs> oh well, all in good time. Yeah, we all had so have to say a very good morning to uh, Graham Morrison. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners out there. And have uh, you been away recently? No, we've been uh, stationed at home for the last couple of months, so that's a little bit different. We did get to China this year and uh, Spain, Port Portugal, France, Italy, up into England there. So we've been flapping our wings again as, as usual. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned all the flowers that Roger and Gwen brought in. I've bought a bag full of my citrus trees just to you know, show off a bit, I suppose. But I've got I've got twenty-eight different varieties of citrus wow. in my my little bag there. So wow, goodness you know, me! I'll talk talk about them a bit later on. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Rogers even bought a bit of my citrus in his have a a finger lime there. The oh. What, what's the, the name of that one, Roger? Uh, they call it the Red Centre Red line. Red Centre, yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the CSIRO breeding program results yeah. many years ago. Yes, yeah. Lovely per- perfume. It's, I was surprised at the perfume of the flowers there. Yeah, it's a very compact bush. It's growing in a tub. Mm. And uh, last year we had hundreds of fruits. Yeah. And the fruits are probably around about, oh, inch, you know, three centimetres along, yeah. not quite as wide. Mm-hmm. Good taste, quite yes. tart, actually, yeah, quite yeah, tart. Yeah. Whereas some of the other ones, there's one sunrise lime we've got, and I just eat the fruit and all. They're just small and, and yeah. they're, they're lovely. You they know. speak of it as the caviar of the, of the citrus industry. Yeah, that's right. I, I think yeah. I'd be carrying it a bit too far. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly looks like caviar. The segments, you know, a little yeah, globules yeah, like the, caviar. Yeah, the, the fruit and, sacks, um, yeah. Not quite as expensive as caviar, no, but I mean, so, we may so. as well talk about these now while we're at Absolutely. The, um, <laughs> This uh, red centre lime has got a fairly firm reddish um, skin, rind, Mm. whatever, um, but lots of juice, whereas Mm. the sunrise lime, Roger says he just picks Mm. them off and eats them skin and all, Mm. but there's very little juice in this. I think if I gave it more water, it'd have more juice, I think. That would probably be right, Graham. you reckon? Yeah, that's true. It does play, play a part. I had a, a a lesson of that in in my old nursery days. So many people bring 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 their imperial or, or emperor mandarins in, and they were dry, you know. Which which I always think emperor's worse than that. It's, it'll dry out quick quick quickly. In our nursery, we had an imperial mandarin, and it got the benefit of the the sprinkler system sort of thing with with all, 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 all my plants, and that. 
you know, it didn't go very well. It, I, 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 one year I was picking mandarins off that that tree probably from June or uh, late May right, right through till Christmas time. Yeah, and yeah. because it had sufficient water, yeah. it, 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 it kept the moisture inside the fruit. That's right. Our son, he's, he lives at Rill when he's around yeah. and he's got uh, mandarin there. Yes. And for quite a long time it was dryish, yes. and then he's yes. put a dripper yeah. system yeah. on it, yes. yeah. and it's that made a huge difference. Makes a big difference. Yeah, a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lesson yeah. for the people out there listening. Yeah. You know, keep the water up to the thing. That yeah. makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, well, we've got three of these native lime cultivars. We've got the straight um, native lime, the finger lime, the greenish. Pam lime. grows that well, don't you? you mm. Lots of fruit on mm. that. Yeah, certainly yeah, do. Yeah. Right. And we've got two of the CSIRO cultivars as. Roger mentioned the yellow one and the red centre one. And um, they're all in tubs and they're all doing really well. And the other one we've got uh, in tubs is this um, cultivar, lots of lemons. Um, sure, yeah. And yeah, that, yeah. that fruits beautifully for us. I mean, we're just in a small, very small garden now, but... Um, Plenty of citrus. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a selection of mild lemon, of That's course. That's right. Yeah. Yes, and so, so it's got that little bit of sweetness in that not everybody likes the flavour there. But yeah. oh, I, 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 and even on my fish and things, I've got a, yeah. a similar, similarly in a, in a pot. And so you know, probably nine months of the year, you've got fr- fr- fruit on there. Exactly. It's a pro- prolific thing, yeah. and it's. Not a, it, it's got that uh, dwarfing characteristic, so it doesn't get too big for you. Mm. Suitable for a tub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had lots of leaf miner on it this year. Yeah, that's always a problem. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's come yeah. back. It's, yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. Do you have much problem with um, citrus gall wasp? Uh, not much, but I, I keep a good look, and there's been a couple of instances. Yes. But I also think I'm just wondering whether when we shifted. There might have been just the start then. All right. We had bad problems with it at Heathmont. Yep. And um, there might have been just a couple of spots I missed, but uh, mm. no, no, it's, it's no, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I really, really had to attack my lemon tree this year because it was just so infested. So yeah. I've, I've chopped it like you wouldn't believe. And, of course, lemons being lemon trees, it's just it's sprouting everywhere yeah, now. Yeah, that's right, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so it's probably done it the world of good. Rejuvenated. Absolutely, mm, yes. Well, yeah. it was a getting pretty old tree, so I think yeah, it's it's found yeah. a new lease of life. Yeah, mm. It's a pity we can't do the same thing. <laughs> 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 That'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be a bit of pruning here and there. Yeah, <laughs> cut you off at the socks. <laughs> yeah, I noticed I have I have had a very odd little bit on my finger limes, but. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, nothing terrible, and I've just chopped that mm. off as soon as I've seen yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started telling Pam before, before the program started, I had the privilege last week of attending Ian, Ian Tolley's uh, workshop down at Heronswood, and uh, he's what they call him, Mr. Citrus. He's, uh, his fam- family were, had a history of en- engineers, and he just about got to graduation. He just got fell in love with citrus and uh, forgot about his en- engineering. And, and he's, for the rest of his life, he's been a specialist in citrus up there at, at Renmark. Uh, he got a uh, Churchill fe- Fellowship where he went to Israel and studied c- citrus and got around to... Uh, uh, there was, uh, you know, he, uh, there was. He went to U- U.S. and I, I, Asia, and all his life he's in his eighties now, but still wrapped in his in his citrus, citrus, citrus trees. And he was t- talking about uh, things like those two two main problems: the leaf miner 
and uh, uh, gall wasp, of course, and saying that you know we, we blame our neighbours, but on a, on a windy day they found out that these little the the the, the uh, uh, st- st- stage where they're, they're f- 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 flying insect, they can they can go for many many kilometres with the, with with the wind, really, mm. even to the extent that you would say thirty five kilometres. Goodness wow. me! So it's an interesting one. But I think uh, a few uh, weeks ago, Pam, someone asked about the leaf, leaf mine and what she could do about it. Yes. I think all due, due respects to your presenter that day, they didn't have really much a clue. I think some lady mentioned uh, echo oil, and that's about the only thing that Ian Tolly said was a good thing to do. Okay. They, they attack the, 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 the new foliage, so when you see the new foliage developing early in the season, like in the middle of spring, I suppose, you, about every Every ten days, you, you spray that foliage with e- e- echo oil. Okay, it's a bit of a thing to get you know, a, 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 a chore to do. But he, he, he said that was the recommendation. Yeah. So, so <laughs> being used in in that case more as a preventative. Yeah, sure. Yes, I would say so. That that's true. Okay, people out there would be aware of that. The, the uh, leaf miner, you look at the leaf and it's got little, little, little rivulets of uh, zigzaggy things. That's an insect that li- li- lives a little uh, pupae, oh, the caterpillar at least. It, it lives within the two surfaces of the leaves, so it bur- burrows along there. And after after a while, there's a like a as though a snail has been on it, you sort of get a, yes, a, a, yes. a, 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 a gl- glossy bit on there as well. Okay. And. Uh, it's uh, it generally it just d- d- drags the the plant back quite a bit. It'll, it'll defoliate the plant as well. So that okay. it's, it's worth having a, a, a you know pr- trying to prevent it if you if, if people can out there. Definitely, yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay. Well, it's time I went to uh, some of the community announcements because uh, it's all very busy out there being springtime, of course. Um, everyone has lots of events planned, so uh, we'll make a start. Uh, first up um, is that uh, today the Australian Pelagonium and Geranium Society have got their annual spring show on. Now, this uh, starts at 9.30 this morning, running through until 4 o'clock. Um, it's uh, taking place at Belfield Community Centre, which is on the corner of Oriel Road and Banksia Streets in Ivanhoe there. Melway is 31E4. There's good parking at the hall. Now, it's $5 entry. That includes morning or afternoon tea, and there'll be plants and cuttings for sale. So that's today, uh, 9.30 through till 4 o'clock, Belfield Community Centre, corner of Oriel Road and Banksia Streets in Ivanhoe. Also uh, today, uh, they did open yesterday, a couple of gardens open for Open Gardens Victoria, as we mentioned last week. One is Ardruda which is at 49 Devonshire Lane in Mount Macedon, open 10 through to 4.30 today, $10 entry for that one, students $5, children under 18 are free, and there'll be Devonshire teas available there as well. And the other two are near Yeh, Mareeba, which is at 1 Creeds Road in Murrindindi, and Candlebark, which is at 179 Langs Road in Limestone, as I mentioned, they're both near Yay. 
Uh, open 10 through to 4.30. $8 entry for those ones. Children under 18 free. And again, students are $5. At Mareeba, there'll be morning and afternoon teas available. At Candlebark, the same thing. And there'll also be an exhibition of artist Peter Hook's rustic sculptures and plant sales as well. So those two gardens, three gardens there actually, all happening today. Now, of course, uh, first Sunday in the month, that means Villa Alba have their open day again. This is the museum and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden. Uh, it's at 44 Walmer Street there in Kew, Melway's reference 44H6. Um, it's open 1 through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Admission is $10, concession of $8, children are free and afternoon tea available with a $3 donation. Now, also, um, I've been asked to mention that uh, coming up at Villa Alba, there's going to be a series of three illustrated talks uh, during November. Uh, they're entitled At the Still Point of a Turning World. Now, these are illustrated introductions to the life and work of three 20th century painters whose understated art speaks quietly yet eloquently across time and space. Now, the artists are the American realist Edward Hopper, Belgian surrealist René Magritte, and the Australian painter of the urban landscape Geoffrey Smart. Now, the sessions will be presented by Richard Stone, who's an experienced uh, lecturer, artist, traveller and tour leader, leader I should say, uh, now, the three uh, Sundays, sorry, Saturdays they will be. The first one's coming up next Saturday, the 11th of November. They all run from 4.30 till 6 o'clock. Um, the 11th of November will be on Edward Hopper. Then Saturday, the 18th of November, Renee Magritte. And on Saturday, the 25th of November, Jeffrey Smart. Now, admission... Uh, one ticket is $20, two tickets $35, three tickets $50. Um, you can go, uh, if you go online probably and look up, uh, look up Villa Alba uh, there or you can, um, you can send a cheque to Villa Alba which is P.O. Box 436 in Q 3101 and uh, you need to... Uh, Bring your receipt to the event as ticket of entry. But if you'd like more in, more information, uh, which is probably the easiest, you can phone Amanda. Her number is 0478 116 That's 0478 116 Or you can uh, email inquiries at villaalbamuseum.org. So... Uh, as I say, that's all coming up for the next three Saturdays in November at Villa Alba. Now, uh, coming up 10th and 11th is the 46th annual Leon Gather Rose Spectacular. This is taking place in the Memorial Hall at Leon Gather. Admission is $5. Children are free. Large cut flower section. Display from Morwell Rose Garden. Display of miniature roses. And it's the fifth annual feature rose. Uh, if you'd like more details, you can go to their website, which is springissouthgippsland, or one word, dot com. So that's springissouthgippsland.com, or you can phone Josie 
and her number is 56573292. That's 56573292. Now, talking roses, the Rose Society of Victoria have got their uh, 2017 National Rose Show and Australian Rose Championships on. Uh, these are taking place Saturday the 11th of November and Sunday the 12th of November. On the Saturday, it's 1 o'clock through to 5.30. On the Sunday, it's 10 a.m. through to 4.30. And this is at the Mount Waverley Community Centre, corner of Stevenson's Road and Miller Crescent there in Mount Waverley. Entry fee, adults $5, concession $4, children under 12 are free. And uh, if you want to visit their website... It's rosesocietyvic.org.au. There will be a speaker program as well uh, for that one. Now, also on uh, Saturday the 11th of November, there's a huge garden fiesta taking place out at Pepper Tree Place. Now, Pepper Tree Place is at 512 Sydney Road, Coburg. That's actually on the corner of Sydney Road and Bell Street there. Now they're going to have, it's running from 10am through to 4pm. There'll be live entertainment and music. There'll be barbecue and fresh handmade pastries with garden fresh foods. There'll be garden and lifestyle workshops taking place all day for free. Uh, There'll be a pop-up cafe with coffee and treats. Now 3CR are running a bookstall. Now these are gardening books. These are our leftover books that we've had from our Radiothon. So 3CR will have um, a bookstall out there all day as well. So if you'd like to get, and these are heavily reduced uh, books, so if you'd like to pick up some bargains ready for Christmas gifts, you can pop along to there. There'll also be a market and information stalls. Their nursery will be open. There'll be a garden design clinic and there'll be nature play craft. So a lot happening out at the Garden Fiesta there at Pepper Tree Place, which, as I said, was 512 Sydney Road, Coburg. If you'd like more information, their phone number is 84010100. That's 84010100. Now, also that weekend, goodness me, there's so much taking place. Uh, Bushland, Flora Nursery, our very good friend Sue, who comes on the program, who's the head propagator out there. They're having spring sales coming up on the next two Saturdays. So again, that's the 11th and the 18th of November. The nursery is at 110, that's 110 Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn. And that's running from 8am through to 4pm on both days for that one. Ah, dearie me. Uh, I think you've got something coming up, Roger. Yeah, this is... Sunday, today week, Sunday the 12th of November, uh, the Friends of uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne are running a a special workshop. It's a sensory gardens workshop. So the idea is they're going to stimulate all your senses. And uh, they've got uh, quite some really good speakers occurring there. It's a bit of a 3CR day in a way when I look at the names of the people. But anyway. It is a bit. (laughs) Yeah. 
the, the keynote speaker is Stephen Wells. Now, Stephen is probably one of the most experienced uh, horticultural therapists in Australia at this stage, being involved at uh, Austin and also at, uh, the name's gone. Talbot. But Talbot. Royal Talbot. Royal Talbot, mm-hmm. uh, where he's created, you know, wonderful gardens there. So Stephen's going to be talking. And uh, he's also a qualified nurse, so he mixes the nursing and horticulture, which is great. So he'll be keynote speaker, then uh, A.B. Bishop, people who listen to this program would mm. know, know of A.B. So she's going to be talking about uh, Australian plants and uh, how it can really get the five senses going using Australian flora. And then uh, they have uh, people from Vision Australia um, showing, well, showing and telling uh, how they can experience gardens, especially using senses other than sight. Okay. So that, uh, and they'll be going around uh, the, the Pepman Garden uh, in uh, the Australian Garden. And with them will be John Arnott, another 3CR personality, and uh, horticulturist Nikki May will be involved. And Chloe, she's coordinating it, Chloe Foster, uh, and she'll be involved in the propagation session. So this is a full-day workshop starting at 10 a.m., goes through to 4 and it's being held in the uh, the Australian Garden at uh, Cranbourne. So, uh, if you'd like to, you know, find out more information, the thing is, people need to book. But uh, you can ring Chloe on zero four two zero five zero four three six seven. And for for non-members of the Friends, at seventy five dollars. Students are thirty dollars. And friends are $60. So that uh, should be a really interesting day, having a look at some different things about gardening. Mm. Mm, Fantastic. Okay. Uh, I should mention that uh, at uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens, their November Discovery Walk is uh, coming up on Sunday the 12th of November. takes place at 2 o'clock. You meet your guide at the front steps of the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Uh, cost is a gold coin donation, and this one is looking at um, botanic artists and uh, <clears throat> and the trees that uh, inspired their work in the book Trees Capturing the Essence of Geelong Botanic Gardens, Artist Views. So you'll follow the tree trail with your guide to find the originals. Uh, as I said, you meet at the front gate at 2 o'clock next Sunday. Gwen? Just, just a couple more, Pam, and this is from information supplied by the Royal Horticultural Society. They're both today uh, at that well-known venue, Mount Waverley Community Centre, 47 Miller Crescent, opposite the station there. The Iris Society of Victoria has their show on now at some 11 till 4 today, uh, $6.00. Uh, and, you know, if you're interested in Iris, that's that's the place to be. There are phone numbers, but I won't give them out because I'm sure the people are all involved down there already. Even I'm sure they are. <laughs> and the other one, which is today, is in Croydon. It's an orchid one, Sarcochylus and Other Genera, uh, an orchid show put on by Ringwood and Yarra Valley Orchid Societies combining there. And so that's today, nine till four. Um, oh, the one for the Iris Society is six dollars. The orchids is only five dollars, but I'm sure it's wonderful value, whichever one. But they're two for today. Where's the one at Croydon? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you, Roger. Uh, let me see. It's in Keystone Hall, Civic Square, um, in Croydon. 
uh, that's in one of the shopping areas there. So, yeah, Keystone Hall, Civic Square, Croydon for the orchids today. And, of course, they all have things on display and things for sale and I'm sure you could buy lots of orchids and accessories and that sort of thing. Absolutely. They have demonstrations on potting and that at both of those places. Yep. But, you know, if you're interested in orchids or iris, well, that's the place to be. Fantastic. Now, I just uh, need to mention two more. These are the uh, two gardens that are going to be opening for Open Gardens Victoria next weekend. Uh, the first one is Historic Banul, uh, which is a country-style garden in North Ringwood. Now, it's a 1.7-acre garden, um, uh, based very much like a uh, country estate, as I said. Um, since uh, acquiring the property in 2004, the current owners have been meticulously restoring the garden and home to its former glory. Now, there's a collection of existing mature trees. Uh, many of them are si- historically significant. Um, uh, also, of course, the stone home is uh built in the 1930s as well. Some of the uh, older trees include a copper beech, pin oaks, American red oak, magnolias, cedars and firs, and much of the stonework is also original, including garden edging and stone pillars throughout the garden and driveway. Um, in 2006, uh, garden designer Paul Bangay was invited to work with the architect and owners to try and link the amazing uh, tree canopies with the home and create some new understories for the garden. Uh, the owners are very passionate about flowers, uh, so the garden really comes to life in spring uh, with things like mass plantings of David Austin roses, Rugosa roses, foxgloves, echiums, daylilies, iris and sedum, uh, the, the new smaller trees of dogwood, lilac and crab apples. And uh, there's also climbing plants uh, have been used uh, right throughout the garden with climbing roses, clematis and climbing hydrangea, all looking wonderful. Now, uh, <coughs> Benul is uh, at 57 to 59 Wonga Road there in Ringwood North. As I said, it's open next weekend, Saturday the 11th of November, Sunday the 12th of November, 10 to 4.30 on both days. Um, $8 for children, uh, uh, sorry, $8, children under 18 free, students $5. Now as well, there's going to be wine, champagne and cheese. There's going to be Devonshire teas plant stalls, Christmas gifts and rusted metal plant supports, garden stakes. So a lot in that garden. Now the other garden opening, um, which uh, is in Kilsyth, is Woodcote Garden. And uh, this is up at uh, 73 Pascoe Avenue in Kilsyth. Again, those same details, 11th and 12th of November, 10 till 430 There'll be a coffee cart, plant sales and art by Joe Reitz uh, there at that garden. Now, Woodcut uh, is the private garden and residence of Sandra McMahon and architect Warwick Sheffield. Now, Sandra McMahon is a very well-known um, garden designer and uh, <clears throat> she uh, the property has been inspired by the arts and crafts movement with references also to the work of Edna Walling. So uh, there's an Australian plant garden at the front 
um, which is inspired by the landscapes of Victoria's high country. Um, then the front garden leads to a Japanese-inspired stroll garden with two existing mature Japanese maples uh, incorporate, incorporating a dry pebble stream. Uh, there's other rooms in the garden, including a border of grasses and perennials. There's a rose garden featuring more than 30 varieties. There's a vegetable garden with lovely retaining walls of Coldstream stone. There's an informal Mediterranean-inspired fruit tree grove. So plenty to see at both gardens. So uh, as I say, they are both open next weekend, 10 through till 4.30. But as usual, our very good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have given us one free double pass to each of those gardens. So if any listeners would like to grab one of those uh, free double passes, either to Historic Banul or to Woodcote Garden, um, give us a call now on 94190155, 94190155, and that free double pass will be posted out to you. All right, it's high time we invited our listeners to join us. Uh, we've already got one listener on call, but uh, that number, if you'd like to join us, 94190155. We're going to go straight to uh, Anne, who's in Noble Park. Good morning, Anne. Oh, uh, hello. Hello, listeners. Uh, uh, sorry to hear yes, you've been uh, in hospital. I've been very, very busy lately, and I'd like to know, uh, for the lovely black sandy loamy soils you find in areas in the south-southeast of Melbourne, uh, I need, uh, I'm interested in getting hold of a giant cypress tree, the American variety. Can you please enlighten me on where I could get one from? Sorry, can you say the name of the tree again? A cypress. Oh, a cypress. American, American, American cypress. The American variety is right. huge. I just want the one. Mm. We're all thinking. Well, probably the best place would maybe is Conifer Gardens, but that's up at uh, Fernie Creek Way, so it's a bit out of your area, unless you can get somebody to, to take you up there, Anne, and then you can have uh, a look. No, that's not a problem. Okay. Oh, okay. I'll write that down. So Conifer Fernie. Gardens. Yeah. And, uh, and if you did give them a ring... If they won't supply direct, they could tell you who, the, who what nurseries they actually deliver to or supply. And, uh, now, you, you, how, how do I know which nursery it is, This is Con- Conifer, Conifer Gardens. Gardens Nursery. Pardon? It's Conifer Gardens Nursery. Oh, Conifer's, yeah, the, the reception, I can hear We're just giving that out now. Oh, thank you. Nine seven five five. Yes. One seven nine three. Yes. And the nursery is conifer. C O N. I F E R. Okay. Right with that. Okay. Now that's made my day, being my birthday as well. Oh, right. To celebrate, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday. Lots of, things, lots of things to do with freedom and nature and everything. Yes. Just one thing I want to alert listeners to before I, I finish. 
is uh, the Aboriginal uh, cancer curing. Uh, I don't know what colour it is. It's bluish black or something. It's a berry that you find on trees in the outback. And uh, yeah, I just think that uh, that's a terrific breakthrough. The scientist or somebody has given it the name EBC, and it's a numeral. I'm not sure whether it's 40 or something, but they've, they've given it the scientific name. It sounds like ABC, but it's EBC something. It definitely is a cure for cancer. So let's hope those little berries appear on the market soon, readily available for people to have a chew on because, you know, heart attack and cancer are the biggest cures. Killers, aren't they? Yes. In Australia today. So let's hope we can work on finding a solution to that one. Okay. Anyway, I hope everybody has a wonderful uh, time today at the various gardens and nurseries around. And I'll be going to the one in Geelong next week, hopefully. Now, uh, just one one final thing. I missed on the 59 to 69 Wonga Road one. Which area was that, please? That just is... before you switch me over, you're giving out names and nurseries and that. The Wonga Road one, I think you will find, is Ringwood. Oh, that's very handy for, for me in some ways. Okay, and so that's been new. Is number zero or not? Uh, no, not. It's a private garden. Oh, private garden. Oh, yeah, that it's... sounds terrific. Okay. Okay, I better, better let others go. And, uh, yeah, all the very, very best to everybody in the future. Uh, I'll be heading over west, and I'll probably stay over there for a while. Okay. But I've had my southeast based in Victoria still, so I'll be in touch. Okay, good on you, Anne. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless. Bye. Okay, as I mentioned, if you'd like to join us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. We have Gwen and Roger Elliott in the studio, of course, who are our Australian native gurus, and we have Graham Morrison, who uh, can talk about all things edible, particularly fruit trees. So do give us a call. Nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. Graham, you've got this oh, yes. amazing lineup of citrus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just as Lord mentioned before, uh, I get into the, onto the citrus. Uh, the article in the paper from uh, uh, your colleagues, uh, Doctor Greg Moore, and he was talking about. Uh, uh, well, the, the the benefits of, of leafy streets and just uh, your uh, speaker next week, uh, uh, Roger, uh, speaking of the uh, uh, benefits of plants to hospitals, I think the new uh, Monash uh, uh, Children's Hospital set out a, a really, you know, elaborate and there's so much evidence out there now that... Mm. Uh, the, the benefit that people are sick, that recovery yep. people with terminal in, in, in illnesses also get it's so much benefit 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 from yeah and yeah. it's uh, it's just uh, uh, I, I think they've set up with a with a, with a waterfall there as well you get some of these other sense of thing you can hear the, hear the waterfall but uh, it's uh, just uh, uh, 
I think uh, way back I read, read uh, an article where they had uh, people in hospital with recovery from surgery and they had uh, they did quite well with a lot of people to get a good good, good sample where they put some with the recovery people in 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 a room where there was no windows on the other one they had a lovely window out looking onto mm-hmm. a, a pleasant garden with flowers and things and they, they these people with they had this view they needed less painkillers and they they recovered recovered quick, quick quicker sort of thing so just wanted to put to put that one in yeah oh no that that's right and I I know with Steve well he he did a lot of well he still does work with uh, people with with brain injuries and things like that and they found that that they responded just so well once they had the garden they were involved in doing gardening not just looking at so yeah yeah quite beneficial very very good yeah. yeah, Pam, thanks. Excellent. Uh, just, uh, you know, last week, as I said, I was uh, uh, privileged to listen to Ian Tolley, so I've got a few, a few little uh, bits of the people out there might, might be interested in that, that, you know, were new, new, news to me and could, 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 could be good, 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 good for the, I think, number one, they talked about the citrus trees and all the old story was you put the fertiliser on the on the drip drip line. He said up, up, up at Renmark they got a high pressure hose and they shushed all the soil from around a, a citrus tree to see exactly where the, where the roots were. Okay. Well, they came out, came out well, well beyond the, the drip line of the tree. Right. And, and the, the basic ones are about a, a foot deep. There were very few, you know, few anchorage root roots that go down. But the, the feeding was in, in that top uh, to, to, to 12 inches of, of soil. He, he recommends that you feed your, your, your uh, citrus trees on a monthly basis, which I, you know, I suppose in our old orchard days we, we'd put on two, two applications through, through, through the year. But uh, it's interesting, he's worked out, and scientific man, uh, he's work, worked out that, you know, okay, you have great growth spurts on your, on your tree, but it's not necessarily that in those growth spurts uh, have you got root spurts sort of thing. Right. So he's, he's mapped out on, you know, you know throughout, the, throughout the year a general thing where, where you should have more fertiliser perhaps than, than others sort of thing. But he's got a, a really good book, book, book out uh, by Ian, Ian Tolley, which costs a bit of money. I think it's about $135 worth. Mm. But he, he's a guru and he really does know his citrus things. You know, people out there, they general people say, you know, what are citrus? You know, you we probably have about five things. You've got your mandarin, and your great, great, great fruit, and your orange. And uh, he, I think he, he, he's in his garden has got 50 different varieties of, of citrus. I, I, in my garden, have got uh, about 20, 28 different varieties of citrus. You know, Scoresby Horticultural Station up at, in New South Wales, I think they, they claimed they had about 200 different varieties of, of citrus. It's uh, Always the the way isn't it? Until you really get into a field, you don't re- re- realize how complex. And it's like uh, Roger with his gum trees. I think we last count did, 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 did over eight hundred different varieties. Or, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> probably even more. Yes. Even more. Yeah, it, it goes on. So I, I, I bought a bag full today of uh, citrus citrus in to uh, demonstrate more. But on on the point of just a few tips for the listeners out there. 
when you're planting, particularly in our clay soils, you know, keep keep the the the, the plant up. He said, when you plant, plant, don't even worry, worry if there's a few roots showing on the on the surface sort of thing. You to keep them up to, up to that sort of level. Okay. You, you get more fungus disease and stuff if you you bury it too, too too deeply. I think he astounded people on the on Australian gardening uh, a, 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 a few, 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 few sessions back, where he, he showed how you would. Uh, move a, a, a citrus from a smaller pot into a, into a larger container. He washed, he put, dun, 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 took the pot off, dunked it in the water until it washed all 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 the potting mix off it, sort of thing, and and then then dropped it into the new pot and and spread the roots and, and even in layers so that you get you know not not just one layer of of, of rooting but uh, get a bottom layer, put some potting mix on that, and get another layer coming out. So uh, he said that that's the best way to go. Use uh, a square pot wherever possible rather than a round pot. Mm. In a round pot, the roots tend to circle around, yeah. around, 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 around. On a square pot, they'll come to the corner and they go, go down rather than spin around. It's a bit, a bit better for the tree altogether. Uh, another thing he came up with, uh, if you want to test it, just you know, so often you might put too much water on it; it's a waste. It'll go down past that foot foot foot, foot layer. So he's a, th- a three eighth piece per piece piece of uh, uh, what, what, what do you call it, con 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 conduit or uh, iron. Uh, and you that, use that as a probe. You, you can push it down. Once once it's wet, that it goes down to, to, to that, that probe will go down to where the actual moisture's got to. If it's dry, it's stubborn, it won't go down. So that gives you an indication of where the water is and whether your tree need, needs a drink or not. Okay. Okay. He uh, said, "Prune after a light crop. Uh, if, you, if you've got a, lo- a light crop, which you know you get this biennial bearing with citrus trees, with a mandarin particularly, you get a whacking big crop. And then because all the energy's gone into producing that fruit, doesn't give any buds for next year, so you get it virtually not, nothing the, the, the year after. So he said, there's a big case there for th- thinning out. Of course, uh, if you, you get to a stage where it's, it's a tedious job because I think uh, you know you can get m- m- many many fruits." So, for, for the, you see, see Roger's piece there, the finger lime, and I, I think and a lot of citrus. If two percent of those flowers that are on there set, you still got a good crop. The <laughs> right. amazing how they they, yes. they, 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 they they furnish like that way. Uh, I just got a couple more things to say on that with root, root, root stocks. If you've got alkaline soils, it's best to get a, a, a stock on a mandarin stock like Cleopatra. Uh, for our uh, uh, heavy heavy soils around uh, metropolitan m- m- well, uh, certainly over our, our, our way in uh, east eastern suburbs, we've got a, a high clay percentage, and so trifoliata is, is a good 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 one to go for there. Trifoliata's got the propensity to give you a, a sm- smaller tree as well, so it's a, it's a good stock. But it's for people out there, you know, when you're buying a citrus tree, have a look. So, so, see, see what stock. They, you, the, the, the stock should be, you know, that, that's the, you know, the roots that you, 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 the, the, the plant is, is grafted onto. And uh, so uh, if, if, if you uh, look, 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 if you've got a, 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 a soil that is on the clay side, Trifoliata. Uh, the n- many nurseries have grown them in citrodella or, or what, what they, 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 
uh, and that all the rough rough lemon stock. It's a good thing because it grows fast, but it's sensitive to waterlogging mm. and it's sensitive to uh, for for top for the, uh, the, the 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 root disease. So, okay, uh, it's it, it, it's good for them to to, to, to have, have a look at that, that that part of it. Fertilizer I was talk, talking about one, once a month if you can, you can afford that. Then something like composted chick, chick, chicken manure is very good indeed. Uh, that's uh, uh, I know in our old orchard days we used to clean out the, the poultry farms and you know, there's nothing like chick, chick, chicken manure. They seem to be something there that they really appreciate and, and, and grow well. They like the, the nitrogen that they're, they're, they're in. Uh, I've... Well, that was a, a, an interesting one too. Uh, uh, in uh, we were, I think uh, someone here is going, going to j- 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 Japan so, so soon, and you find in the shops. Pam, Pam's off to Japan. There's a there's a there's a mandarin that they use over there extensively called yuzu. Uh, it's a you know, easy to take the take, take the uh, a, uh, the skin off, and you can grow it from seed. It's a uh, it's one of, one, one, one of these ones that, you know, it's true, true to form and it, it, it only takes about four or five years before it's come, so it's widely used over there. You know, you, 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 it's another one to look out for in Australia. I'm sure it would be a popular one if we, we could, uh, you know, uh, publicise it a bit more. The other one they grow over there is what they call Satsuma, and that's a seed, seedless one. It's interesting about the seedless ones. They're parthenocarpic, as they they call it. They have blossoms that don't need don't need pollen, and uh, so uh, uh, you know uh, every now and again the sport will will event eventuate in oranges. Of course, you've got your Washington navel, this parthenocarpic, very few, very few seeds in. In evolutionary sense, they would 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 wouldn't continue. But uh, now that you know, you you are grafting as possible. You take to, to take the wood from a, uh, a a seedless mandarin or a seedless orange. You graft it on, and thousands are distributed like like that. But, uh, Probably that 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 might be just you know uh, a, a few of the, uh, the, the, the the tips that the the the, the, the man gave along along the way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. Um, we might uh, we might come back to some of the varieties you brought in in a little while, Graham. Sure. We're just waiting for. Um, uh, a special call to come through because uh, we're going to be talking to uh, uh, someone who's uh, who's just uh, co-authored a, a wonderful book, which uh, I know Gwen and Roger have also had the uh, opportunity to read this. We're just uh, waiting for that line to come through. Um, <coughs> We might give it a go and see if we can get onto it. Uh, so, with a bit of luck, I think we have uh, Kate Hurd online. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, everyone. Oh, and Hi, you're Pam. nice. You're loud and clear. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, we were a bit worried about the uh, the phone line for this morning because Kate is up at her parents' farm in New South Wales, and uh, as she said, the phone line can be a bit tricky. But we're we're loud and clear, so all's well. Thanks for talking to us this morning, Kate. I do appreciate it. And firstly, congratulations on the book. Now, 
I must say that the title of the book for listeners, Native Art and Design with Australian Plants. Now, Kate, you also have a co-author in uh, Jella Ivankovic Waters, um, and I'll come back and ask you a bit about uh, working with a co-author in a moment. But Mm -hmm. firstly, um, the book uh, encourages all all gardeners to... um, not only consider using Australian native plants in creative and contemporary ways, but um, not only talking about garden design, but also in other other artistic areas. Now, was this the aim of the book, to try and get people to think more broadly about ways to use our native plants? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think we started out, we had... um, (laughs) It was really two different books we started out doing, and... um, you know, uh, Yella being a garden designer and horticulturalist and now landscape architect, um, you know, she uh, has always had a very sort of plant-centred practice and I love native plants as well and um, am, am passionate about them. But I think we both um, recognise that there's this whole um, pool of people out there who who work with native plants, um, you know, whether it's their raw materials or for inspiration. Um, and, you know, that, that they work with native plants every day and we, and we wanted to include them in some way. Mm. Um, and, I mean, we came up with about 50 different sort of artists, designers. Goodness, um, that's a lot. Uh, well, woodworkers, yes. you know. Um, textile designers, photographers. Um, yeah, so we, we could have had a much bigger book than we did. Right. <laughs> uh, well, there's room for another one, Kate. Yeah. Rod, Roger Elliott here anyway. How are you, Roger? Good, I'm fine. And con- congratulations. Yeah. Because uh, it was a very long gestation period, uh, yes, wasn't it? Yes, you, you knew that. I've been talking about it for way too long and, and I'm, I'm glad it's out there. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, look, it's good. And, yeah, it, it's just interesting the people that you have ended up choosing because, you know, scientists mm-hmm. too in there. Yes. Um, you know, landscape designers, illustrators, you know, yeah. just enthusiasts. Yeah. And uh, jewellers, fabric designers. And, yes. Because uh, uh, no, on, re- on reading the book, I, I probably raised as you know, many questions for me. I'd like to sit down with you sometime <laughs> and go, go through all those questions. But, yeah, um, we should. Yeah. Um, but it does present many other, you know, very interesting aspects that uh, what people can can do with plants. And, mm. you know, some people have doing, been doing them. But, uh, yeah, so we, we found out a bit about, you know, why you wanted to, to write the book. Yeah. And well, even even just deciding on the contents, what, what made you come down to the things that you chose? Well, I think in the in the beginning, um, we were very led by the people that we interviewed. Mm-hmm. So we asked them a set of questions about the plants that they used. Um, so really, our plant selection, uh, the, um, the six plants for sort of each chapter, mm-hmm. was... Um, came about because of uh, the plants that people came up with. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily maybe what we'd put in our Geller and my top 100 native mm-hmm. plants, mm-hmm. but um, really interesting. And we just we thought if we could offer 
some new insight into each of those plants that someone had thought out about before and how to use them, you know, um, you know things that might actually be able to, to be coppiced or yeah. grown in a pot or combined with, you know, some exotic for, to great effect. Yeah. Um, then we thought, oh, well, you know, that, that, that will be a useful book. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so hopefully, you know, that combination of um, the species that, that we've profiled and the photos and the people will really add to the discussion about, you know, um, using native plants in our garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, because even just on your choice of um, landscape designer people, mm-hmm. um, all of those people love plants. They do. And, um, you know, I suppose this has been a little bit of a, a problem with training of landscape architecture people that often they don't come to grips with plants. Yeah. And the, and the people who've got their Kate Cullody, Paul Thompson, Catherine Bull, you know, they're wonderful experience. They, they are. And I think that um, that Yella having um, yeah. completed her landscape architecture degree fairly recently and now doing her PhD, um, I think she, she knows firsthand how little um, plants are really taught at mm-hmm. that level. But because she came from um, a background in horticulture at at Burnley yeah. and worked hands-on. Um, she's like them, is, is rather unusual. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Oh, good. Kate, Kate, I have to ask you, how did the two of you get together in the first place and who was the one who first put the suggestion forward of actually writing the book? Uh, well, Yella and I met. Um, she actually did a couple of gardens uh, around the corner from where I live. Okay. And she'd been doing them for a long time. And um, one of her clients had suggested her to me. Um, be, uh, I was looking for a, a um, gardener for my grandmother at the time. I, my grand had uh, dementia and, um, uh, and, and this neighbour had said, how fantastic Yeller is with, with her elderly father. I thought, oh, that that would be great, and it, it didn't end up happening. But um, we'd met at the um, Australian Landscape Conference mm-hmm. about thirteen years ago, and you know, we just sort of um, really clicked. And you know, we've holidayed together up here where I am at the moment on the, on the south coast, and we just love plants and the bush and. Um, and talking about, you know, garden design. So I think we were just both in agreement that we'd love to see more books on native plants out there and mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. native plants. And um, the books sort of started out as uh, with our list of our favourite top 100 native plants, but then very quickly sort of evolved into... Um, something quite different when we started thinking about all all the people that we knew who worked with native plants. Right, right. So, yeah, we started when her her baby was about five months old, and, oh, and that baby is now in prep. <laughs> so it's been going on a while now. It but has. It's, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and um, 
and we both have different writing styles and, you know, it's been really, really great to work with mm. someone. Although we haven't been able to, to meet up in person a lot, so thankfully Skype <laughs> allows you exactly. to, to share screen yes. so we could actually... Um, you know, see what the other one was doing with photos or right. um, layout. Yeah, so yep. that, that was brilliant. So the other thing I'm, I'm curious about is how did you actually um, split up the collaboration? Did each of you tackle a different area of each chapter or did, 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 did you tackle, tackle a whole chapter with one person? And I, I mean, how did you actually generally amalgamate the two of you? Yeah, well, we we just uh, we did one chapter each, so we we did half the book each. Right. And I think Yella ended up choosing a lot more of the the landscape architects and designers, mm-hmm. um, whereas I had um, a few more of the growers and artists. So right. That kind of worked out really, really well. Yes. Yes. Um, you know and. Just, I think I said at the the book launch a month ago, I think maybe the book was an excuse to meet all these fantastic <laughs> people. Why not? And annoy them for quite a long period of time by email and phone. Um, you know, just because, you know, a lot of the people in the book are, are heroes of ours. Mm, so sure. to, yeah. to get to pick their brains and spend time with them yes. was, was fabulous. <laughs> Wonderful. And, uh, okay, Kate, you mentioned, or someone mentioned, the link from natives to jewellery. That sort of confounds me a bit. How, how does that happen? Well, um, Julie Blyfield is the jeweller. Um, Adelaide-based jeweller that we've included in the book. And unfortunately, I didn't get to meet her because Yella interviewed her. Mm. But I I am in love with her work. Mm. She spends a lot of time, I think, out in inland South Australia in the desert areas. And the the plants of of that area are really, um, as you would know, um, quite, um, you know, they're, they're not... Big trees. Yeah, it's hard, hard going. Things, you get soft, hard, hard wood and uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, soft colours. But then, of course, in spring, you get um, all the wildflowers, and then you get a lot of colour. But I think that colour palette of the inland and the plant forms um, inspire Julie's work, and she works in silver um, and um, a particular process. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of. But those colours, those soft greens and oranges and, um, yeah... Would have thought that there's a. This is basically incorporating wooden uh, wooden parts into into the jewellery thing. No, I think they're all they're all um, metal, Roger. Yeah, oh, I see. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah, yeah, um, I understand. and she's got a um, exhibition on in Melbourne at the moment. I think mm. at um, Gallery Funaki. So okay. um, people might want to yeah, yeah, sure. check that out. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, Actually, looking through the book, I should say that um, under in, in each chapter, um, for instance, uh, the chapter on small gums, uh, not only are you um, talking about them, talking about some of the locations where they're found, 
uh, talking about um, ideas for using them like coppicing, but then you actually go on to give um, examples, and these examples um, uh, for individual uh, trees, and, and you have the um, appropriate photograph as well for identification, and then you also go on and, and, uh, and include um, a list of more selections uh, and you do that with each chapter, which is which is really useful for the home gardener because they can, at a, at a glance, if they're if they're thinking about, say, something for a, um, a shady area, or if they're thinking about Australian grasses, you've you've got that reference point uh, in the chapter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, Pam. Um, well, we hoped it would be useful with um, our list. You know, you can. Um, we we could have gone on forever, really. <laughs> I'm sure you could, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think we were just trying to distill, you know, that what what we discovered down into some, um, you know, useful short kind of um, pages mm. that, that people could, um, you know, use for further um, further exploration. Uh, and yeah, I I do hope that that the book is useful and not just. Um, um, you know, because we do talk about experimenting with native plants a lot, sure, and um, and pushing the boundaries a bit. So that, you know, it's not always um, proven. <laughs> these methods. I mean, I know in my own garden, I'm quite um, happy to to cut things off at the ground and experiment. But um, not everyone wants to be that brave with some plants. They've been. Tending lovingly for for five years. Yes. But they should be brave. (laughs) But it might not come back. I think they worry. Well, that's right. But but some will and some some just respond. It's amazing what you can do with some plants. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Have you you coppiced uh, many... Small gums, Roger. Oh yeah, a few, but not not just gums. I always think of um, the thing that used to be known as Eriostom and myoperoides. You know, you can chop that down to ground level, and it just comes back. It's a citrus member, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and and if you know a bit about even plant families and how the other plants in that same family are treated, you know, in most cases they they respond the same. So, that, yeah, there's lots of things you can do. And one, one thing I really liked in the book was the emphasis on um, on foliage and light. You know, it came through quite strongly, I think, as you were talking about plants, mm. just the different foliage and the effect of light on yeah. foliage. Mm. Yeah. And even just hours of sunshine I'm in, in your uh, cut flower area, yeah. saying, you know, plants need five hours. If, of sunlight if they're going to flower well. So thing, things like that, there's lots of inspirational stuff, but there's lots of good, good solid fact, I think. Mm. Kate, the... it's Gwen Elliott here. I Hi. also enjoyed the, the book very much, uh, and my initial impression was this is a 21st century book, and we're not getting a lot of these, but this certainly is. And the other comment... Big is it's inspirational. Mm. Um, uh, many people now, particularly the younger members of the community, if they want information, um, they go and ask Mr Google primarily <laughs> rather than books. But Mr Google doesn't give the inspiration that is available in the book that you've done here. So I think it's, it's really exciting 
um, the book. And, uh, okay, there's lots of information there, but over and above that to me was the inspiration in the book. Um, and also I'd like to mention that it's not it's called Native and it's about Australian plants, but uh, you've also included a, a section on Joe O'Connell, who for about 30 years has run a nursery of Australian plants in California. And I'm looking at the moment as a, a lovely photo of a pleached, arched walkway uh, taken at Lotusland in yeah. Santa Barbara. Yeah, have you been there? Yeah, yes. I, as soon as I read, uh, just reading your, your text, and my mind went straight to that place, yeah. and I turned over the pages, and here's the photo <laughs> of Lotusland with the leptospermum <laughs> over the arbour. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it's the good. most amazing yes. garden, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we, um, my partner Phil and I visited about um, six years ago, and, uh-huh. we, and we met Joe O'Connell. Okay, yes. good. And good. who has Australian yeah. um, Native Plants Nursery. Yeah. Um, not far from Santa Barbara there. Yeah. And she was kind enough to, to take us around to gardens that she had designed and looked after. Uh-huh. And um, and it was great to meet her and, and see her nursery. Yeah. And nice. then to go up to Lotus Land and see, you know, the really old plantings of bunyas and mm-hmm. eucalypts and... But you can't always get to Lotus Land, of course, because it's open to the public, but it's in a, uh, a residential area where they don't want too many intruders. So yeah, I think you have to book ahead. You do, yes, yeah. and not everybody is able. I mean, if you've just got one day and you want to go mm. to Lotus Land on September the 15th, yeah. you just might not get there. So Well, I'd plan your trip. Yeah, exactly. I was just saying, you sort of check up California. Lotus Land and then. No, we've known Joe for many years too, but apart from the personal contact, just knowing that your book, doesn't just cover a very small area but includes Australian plants being grown in different areas of the world and in different ways. We learn every time we go to somewhere like that. I remember seeing a prostrate wattle being grown up over an arch. Yeah. Um, And I thought, you don't do that. This was many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, But, of course, you can. You've just got to think outside the square. But congratulations. As I said, inspirational is my one. And it's a lovely book to pick up and read. So do have a look at it, folk, in bookshops and libraries and and everywhere because um, it's more than just information. It's inspiration. Kate, before before I let you go, we should also, of course, um, mention the uh, the photographers associated oh, with yeah, the book, that's right. um, because uh, of course one photographer will be very well known to many of our listeners. That's Simon Griffiths. He's renowned for for doing wonderful photography, particularly of gardens and plants. But you also have uh, Ben Wrigley and Virginia Cummins. Uh, all collaborating uh, with those photos, so they've really they've really added something special to the book. Oh, look, we we've been really lucky to have you know Simon, Ben, Virginia. Uh, Simon's got uh, a beautiful photo that we've used for the cover mm. of, of a garden down at Flinders, um, and they Simon's probably got the most photos in the book of, of anyone, and and we've used about. 60 different photographers, so Roger knows that it's been quite challenging getting all the, the images that we needed. Yes. And um, I have to say that I'm quite um, proud of myself because I've got a, about 30 photos of my own in the book. 
Right, and it well really, done. Um, it really made me uh, practice using my new camera <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and plant photography is something that I really enjoy. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope to do a bit more in the future. Fantastic. Okay. Well, uh, for listeners, uh, I'll just repeat the actual details of the book. It's called Native... Art and Design with Australian Plants. It's by Kate Hurd, who we're speaking with, and Yella Ivankovic Waters. It's published by Thames and Hudson, and uh, recommended retail price is forty nine ninety nine. Kate, thanks so much for speaking with us this morning, and as I said before, a huge congratulations on the book. Well done. Um, hopefully, you can have a little bit of a break before you. Uh, get stuck into all that uh, garden photography again. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, Roger and Gwen. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. And uh, we do actually have uh, one copy of that book um, available as a supporter segment this morning. Um, if you would like to uh, to grab this copy, it would make a, a wonderful uh, Christmas present or a present for yourself, for anyone at all who's interested in thinking outside the square uh, in ways of using our Australian native plants, uh, do give uh, Vicky a call. Um, for that book. If you want it posted, it will unfortunately be another $10 added on to that. Um, Or you, of course, can pick it up from the station during office hours during the week. Uh, But that number to ring if you'd like to grab this copy is 94190155. That's 94190155. We have a lot of uh, callers waiting, so we will get to some of our calls now. First up, we have uh, Anne, who's in Coburg. Good morning, Anne, and thanks for waiting. Anne, are you there? No, I think we might have lost... She's gone for a cuppa. Lost Anne. Okay, we'll go to uh, Wendy uh, out in Vermont South. Wendy, are you there? Yes, I am. Good oh, morning, guys. Thank you so much for waiting. Oh, no problem. I, I loved hearing about the book, and you're right. Uh, Google doesn't quite do it compared with a lovely book. Exactly. <laughs> now, how can we help you, Wendy? Well, I've got... I know black spots on roses is a pretty ordinary topic. Um, I'm just wondering if my... I've been. I've tried a commercial product, and it hasn't fixed it. Well, it's tried to fix it. But I've also tried a, um, a natural remedy I've written down from somewhere. One cup of milk, 60 grams of washing soda to four litres of water. Is there something better than that that I can do myself? Mm. We need, need, need Graham the Roseman in here to, 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 to answer that one. Well, well maybe uh, if I... Like, it, it, if it was just ordinary black spot, it seems to have fixed mm. up that aspect on the on the rose. But right. But among the black spots, it's got, oh, like, little crispy brown blotches is what I'd call it, little crispy brown blotches on the leaf as slightly different to the normal black spot on a yellowish mm. leaf. Is this familiar at all? It's not, 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 not a scale, Wendy. It's no, a, definitely not. No, 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 it's not that. No, no, no bigger than that, bigger like, blotches yeah. than that. Like a, but the recipe you give there, it's a good organic one, getting getting away from... from uh, you know, nasty chemi- chemicals that yeah, we all, yeah. all, all try to do. I think you have to apply it fairly regularly, as I okay, hear. Okay, you know, pro- pro- probably yeah. on a, you know, maybe every, every every two weeks, uh, if not a little bit more re- re- regularly, even than that. Yeah, yeah. But there are, you know, other, uh, 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 otherwise, 
you know, chemicals that they, 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 they sell to prevent this one. I think the other one is, you know, weather conditions. I mean, we've had, you know, a lot of moisture with just, 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 uh, uh, many uh, showers of rain rather than one one big hit at one sort of thing. The roses yeah. leaves stay, staying wet over a long period. Uh, yeah. Any irrigation, of course, you put it on the ground rather than wet the uh, one tra- trap is to wet, wet, wet the rose leaves and leave it overnight, and it's more conducive to the spread of black, black, black. Of spot. course, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I try not ever to water yeah, even near the yeah. roses. Or the other thing, if you can yeah. organise it so that you know air movement gets through the bush in some way, if it's too cl- cluttered, you know, to, to prune some of it out. To, uh, it's uh, in a good position. It's in a very yeah. large, one of those big, large um, yeah. uh, wine barrel kind of thing. Yeah, Not okay. the huge one, but the, the next the, one. The, the, the and it is only a young rose, so yeah, it, sure. it, it's only been potted yeah, yeah, sure. before the spring. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's better than it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just on the topic of black spot, we've got a couple of ficus plants with black spot and I know it's not the same black spot okay. do I use the same would that same product be worth trying on it, it just, on a ficus it, it certainly would yeah alright I'll that, give that, that a that, shot that, yeah that, that's, that's um, a good, good idea again yeah but, uh, uh, Graham Sargent, is it? Uh, yes. You, wait, wait, wait till he's in and you you hit him with that. He's, he's the rose guru of our 3CL. Yep. Well, well I, I can, I I can give, program, I can give out his... Thank you very much for your help. Wendy, I can give you uh, the uh, the phone number for Silky's Rose Farm if you'd like to have a chat to Diana or Graham. That'd be great, thanks. Okay, have you got paper and pencil? Yep, already. Okay, 5787... 5787... 1123... Yeah. Okay. That's terrific, guys. Thank you so and, much. And, for and the only terrific. the only other thing I would mention is that I do know that um, that there's also we, you were mentioning an eco product before. Mm. There's also a product called Eco Rose. Good, 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 good one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, yesterday that's I bought Eco something, but it wasn't mm. that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gwen, have you got that information? Yes, in? I've got um, a brochure here from the sergeants at um, a Silky's Rose Farm. Yeah. And I'll just read out what it's. They uh, have an ongoing maintenance program to keep their plants healthy and also, um, you know, doing well. Our recipe is simple, safe and economical. To 10 litres of water, add seaweed as per the pack rates, plus a quarter of a cup of eco oil and a quarter of a cup of eco rose. That's to 10 litres of water with some seaweed in it. A quarter of a cup eco oil, quarter of a cup eco rose. Mix together and spray over the leaves to run off. Do this no less than once a month or more frequently in critical periods of the season or if pests and diseases appear. In red letters, application should always be carried out prior to 10 a.m., uh, this is 100% organic and natural. Yeah, I very, love very, it. Very so that seaweed solution is as is instructed on the bottle. Yes, then. that's so right. Yeah. For the, the 10 litres, yes. Medium. It can be sea salt, it can be maxi crop yeah. or natural whatever but one you use. Hey, look, that could just do the trick. I like the sound of that and I've got most of that stuff already. Okay. There you go. Terrific, guys. Have a great day and many thanks. Okay, then. Bye. Bye. All right, uh, let's see, we have uh, Pam out in Kyneton. Good morning, Pam. Hi, everybody. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I wanted to talk to Graham, please. Yes, Pam. Um, I wanted to ask you about my peach tree. Sure. And, to, and peach leaf curl. Mm. And if you've got a lot of hawthorn trees around you, do they affect and make the curl worse? 
No, I, I wouldn't have thought. Th- th- no? thought oh, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, it's a fung- fungal thing, and uh, I don't think in the Cretaceous, uh, your hawthorn thing that 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 that, that, that would be a. Uh, you know, a victim of the uh, of, the, of that f- f- fungus disease. It's uh, you know we've spoken about it so, so so many times before, mm. and uh, there's a bit of uh, bad information out there where the people say you know wait wait wait, wait till the pink stage or where the the buds have opened. It really, we in our orchard situation with our peaches, we put one spray on in uh, uh, early uh, early June, and then about mid July put put on another one. I, I, I followed that then and on that year, that uh, uh, system with my fruit uh, peach trees this year, and they all came very, very good indeed. We we had very little curl. The, the, the other thing, everybody you know thinks their tree is going to die; they got curl, curl leaf. Indeed, you know after, after that, that initial infection, the the new growth grows out. If you look after your tree, keep the moisture there and a bit of fertilizer, and and, and you come out, and it's, uh, it's it's not such a disaster. And Graham, I've got a gold, a peach golden queen. Yes, yes. It's a um, can they cope with the cold? Will they fruit? Because I, it'll sort of. I think one year I had good fruit on it. Last year I had nothing. Mm. And this year I don't think I'm going to get much mm. either. Do they cope with the cold, or have I made a mistake in putting it in? No, because it's, it is it's very it's, cold it's, where I am. Yeah, whereabouts are you? I'm in Kyneton, oh, and, and I've got see. a south-facing hill mm. down to the river. Mm. I mean, you really couldn't ask for much worse, to be honest. No, no, no. We had a bad year this this year when the blossoms were out. It was just uh, many, many showers of rain and mist, and so the bees weren't out to affect yeah. the p- p- pollen. So that we on my trees at home, I haven't got a real good crop, crop, crop this year. Okay, and but, the plum uh, trees, like last year, um, I had a good crop on my plums yeah, this year. Yeah, sure. I had very little blossom, mm. hardly any at all. I won't get any plums no, this year, but it was too cold, and the bees weren't around yeah, sure. either. Yeah. But, I, but, but, but I've got. Some apples, and I tell you, this year, um, the Cox's Orange Pippin, which oh, I don't know why I ever put it in, but anyhow, I did. Yes. And um, and I've never had a good crop on it, but this year, because of the freezing cold that we've had, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> laden. So, uh, you know, it's an ill wind, isn't it, yeah, always? That's, that's, a, that's a well put, ill, ill wind. But getting back, back back to your Golden Queen, it's just, just, just as hardy, although it's a a clingstone variety. It's a yellow for fruiting variety, and they grow it so so much up, uh, up in northern Australia for the canning industry and what not, what not. But it's just, just as we grew them in Doncaster very successfully, and you know, no worries at all. But the danger with you is, is if you get a a late frost when the blossoms are out, then the little pistil, the mm. the the, the, the foremost of the thing suffers, and, and 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 you don't get fruit. So yeah. that that's uh, probably the, the Worry in your in your area for for fruiting of peach trees. We've had two frosts this week. Yeah, um, this week even. Yes. And the cherry tree. I thought I was going to be very clever, and I bought a, a, a cherry tree from um, in Tasmania. My daughter yes. gets her fruit from there, yes. um, and I think it's on um, miniature root stock, or it's a miniature cherry. Yes, but are. she didn't give me the name of it. My daughter. Mm-hmm ordered them and just gave it to me and I planted it and didn't think any more. Do most, are most cherry trees 
self-fertile or should I have had another one? No, not, not, not at all. All the older varieties really did need an, a, another variety to, to afford pollin- pollination. But the, the newer ones like... Uh, Oh, golly, the, the name escapes uh-huh. me at the, the moment, but mm. Flemings have put about uh, th- th- three or four uh, cultivars out now that right. are ser- ser- certainly self- self-pollinating. Oh, and I'm uh, in trouble now, aren't I, because yeah, I don't know which yeah, cherry yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to a, that's get a, a cross-pollinator. Yeah. It, had, mm. it only had about two flowers, mm. but I've put it in the... Chook run. I thought I was going to be very clever and plant the cherry tree in the big mm. chook run I've got, which yes. is completely covered in with bird netting, yeah. small bird netting. Mm. And then I thought, oh, maybe I've excluded the bees. Mm, depend on the, the, the gauge of the wire, I suppose. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, although the mm. doors open a lot of the time for yeah. the hens to come out. But, yeah, um, yeah maybe I've... Because mm. I thought if I put it in there, it's good for shade for them. Mm. And, yeah, um, sure, keep the, and the, the keep birdies the and possums at bay. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> yes, okay, yes. all right. Yeah. And I'm tossing up about my um, persimmon tree. It's just mm. lost all its leaves from the two frosts mm. we've had, yes, and it struggles so much. Yeah, it'd be pretty cold up your way this morning, even though I was chasing. Yeah, it was cold up here. We didn't have a frost this morning, no. no we had one yesterday, but yeah. not Oh, today. goodness. Mm. Mm. Anyway... Okay, good, we good, 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 good luck. Yeah, yeah. Yes, thank <laughs> I, you very much. I'd just like to say a good word about yes. about Hawthorne. It's yes. the Elliot clan flower. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure it would never do anything wrong. <laughs> I tell you, it stops the wind. <laughs> okay. All right. Good on you, Pam. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Pam. bye. See you. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay, we're going next to uh, Gail out in Arthur's Creek. Good morning. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, panel. Uh, Look, I've been a bit remiss and not got information into you about another activity for next weekend. Right. See if you haven't got enough to do. Um, Next Sunday, the 12th of November, is our annual garden walk, and this will be our 29th consecutive garden walk. Oh, well done. And uh, we've got six wonderful gardens opening, very different. Um, one is just a fantasy land for children. It's got so many exciting things in it. Um, there's, a, there's a valley garden, there's a hill garden, and it's going to be such a lovely day. And also, you were mentioning Iris earlier. Um, <clears throat> we were at Whittlesea Show yesterday, and the two winning Iris in the horticultural section, um, the producers of those iris will be at Arthur's Creek Garden Walk selling their wares next weekend too. Oh, right. Yeah. And um, there'll be cottage plants for sale, garden ornaments, Devonshire teas, and all the normal things that go with a garden walk. Yes. And we're only only 50 minutes from Melbourne, so um, if anyone can make it out to Arthur's Creek, look up your Melways. Reference number 393B4. And we'd love to see you from 9.30 till 3. Tickets will be on sale at the hall. Uh, which hall? Arthur's Creek Hall Mechanics just, Institute. Just the Mechanics Institute? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, is this happening on both days on the weekend or just one day? Just on the Sunday. Just on the Sunday. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Pam, for giving me the time. Not a problem. Bye. Pam, I can just mention a couple more for sure. next weekend. I'll do it very briefly because I know... Um, there's a Bromeliads uh, show on next weekend. That's at Moorabbin. The Senior Citizen Centre 
964 Nepean Highway. I'll give you a phone number for that if you want further information, 9801-1628. The Maribyrnong Orchid Society, Society... they're doing a sarcochylus again, which we... Oh, goodness. There's a sarcochylus this weekend. Yeah, they're good uh, little orchids. That's mm-hmm. next weekend, Maribyrnong Community Centre, Randall Street, Maribyrnong. I don't have a phone number for that one, but um, www.mosorchid.org or um, facebook.com Maribyrnong Orchid Society. And the third one I'll mention... Uh, is a bonsai northwest exhibition, uh, and that's in Footscray, 45 Moreland Street, and a phone number for that one, 0422-619-641. So they're all on next weekend. Wow. Okay. We must get to this other query that came in from the outside line too. Um, and it's all about, because I happened to mention last weekend, people, that uh, you grow um, a particular carnivorous plant outside your kitchen door, which I believe Rogers we've brought got some, some in. Yes. Yes, and Enough. how wonderful it was for stopping flies and mosquitoes and everything coming well, inside ca- the house. They catch lots, that's for sure. Yes. Mm, mm. So, um, and, and listeners were very interested. So, oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, so well, now's I'll, your chance to... Shall I handle the listener question first? Sure. Because... Uh, it was about if you have a tub of a mos- mosquito repellent plant at the back door, and what is that plant? The plant that has been around for quite a long while was one of the tea trees, and it was sold under the name of Mozzie Blocker. Yeah, I just wonder whether the person might have got the question slightly skewed. Oh, well, I'll just finish on that. That yeah, little bit first, okay, okay. but mm-hmm. plants like that um, that have a, a reputation for being mosquito repellent really come into the category of what people in early times referred to as strewing herbs, and they used to it was when you had solid mud floors in mm-hmm. residences and things, and they used to put these plants uh, branches on the floor and walk on them, mm-hmm. so that they release the oils and stop mm-hmm. the mozzies. Having any plant just near the back door or the barbecue or something tends to be of marginal value in stopping the mozzies. But if you put some branches on the ground and walk on them, um, that seems to have a greater effect. But the plant that may be referred to is Leptospermum mozzie blocker. Now, over to you with your carnivorous ones that you're waving around, Rog. Yeah. As far as the carnivorous plants... um Probably the easiest ones to grow for this purpose of, you know, they're good for catching European wasps. They're really good for that. Mm. Or sometimes the European wasps, they get a bit cunning, I suppose, and sometimes they might burrow out. Mm. You'll see little holes. Mm. But um, Saracenias mm. and the flower, flowers are in bloom now and there's reds and yellows and they're, they're quite beautiful flowers, very soft, uh, pliable petals which tend to hang down so in reds and yellows usually and then the the actual modified leaf is the thing that catches the insects and uh, with with the modified leaf they come up they've got a lid not a lid but there's got a a a bit of a thing growing out the top which looks like a lid a cap a cap and um, there's nice juices in the in the base of the the long stem and this one probably about 40 centimeters tall they'll get 
you know, bigger than that, 50 centimetres or even 60 centimetres tall, and uh, that get different colours. Um, this one's a yellow one. It's Saracenia flava, and there's one Saracenia leucophila, which will be white top with often red veins, so they're quite attractive. And um, so the insects go down in the top and then they keep on going trying to get to these lovely juices and there's often hairs pointing downwards in the throat and so they can't get out again. And so the enzymes in the juices end up dissolving the, the fleshy parts of the insect and that's the way of it getting its food because they grow in very, very poor soils, often waterlogged soils, and to grow them well, we've got about four pots and they're about uh, 40 centimetres across, I suppose, uh, terracotta pots, not glazed, just ordinary, and then uh, and then you have them grow. There is, I'm sure there'll be... With no uh, holes, you were going yeah, to say Yeah, with no holes, right? yes, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there'll be a sale coming up at Collector's Corner down at Garden World, usually the last weekend of November or the 1st in December, where there'll be the carnivorous plant society who'll have stalls and selling them there. Um, sometimes people... You know, like to go for the Venus flytraps because they're really they're active. Um, they're not as easy to grow as Saracenia, so we'll keep going. So, but you know, you can have a combination of both, and uh, and they're great. You know, Venus flytraps are great for kids, but you know, some of the Drosseras, um, sundew plants, they have sticky things and they catch things too. So there's quite a few plants that do that, and they they need to do it to get nutrient, so they grow. But um, we, the, we've some of these pots of ours are probably I don't know fifteen years old now I suppose, mm. and we haven't repotted them. Um, Roger, the water level in those pots there are they are the plant actually submerged or is it just uh, yeah. well we just yeah. keep filling up the pot to the top. Yeah, and then it gradually goes away and then you know, yeah. three days later give it a bit more water um, okay, sure. or you know stick it out when it rains. Um, yeah. They'll take full sunshine, they'll take frost. They, they, you know, yeah. Eastern America, where a lot of the Saracenias come from, they get snow there. So, it, uh, you know, yeah. they're, they're hardy things. Yeah. The flowers are quite attractive, almost like heli hellebores, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And there's yeah, yeah. lovely lime green flowers on some. So, uh, yeah, have a look at for Saracenias, and often you see people selling them in some of the markets and yeah, things like sure. that. So they're an, an yeah. interesting plant, and they do catch a lot of. They don't catch bees. Okay. So uh, that's the, good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yes. true. true. So, you can just Google Carnivorous Plant Society Victoria, and they'll tell you when the society's show is on at Garden World. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next caller. We have Ruth out in Bentley East. Good morning, Ruth. Oh, good morning, everybody. I wonder, please, if um, Graham could help me out for the first time ever. Um, on my mandarin tree, which is growing in a, a big half wine barrel and has been doing very well. Mm. I've had dreadful scale. I've never had it before. Mm. I have sprayed with pest oil. Mm. And I'm wondering how often should I do it or what do I do now yes. with it? Yeah, I think uh, you're on the right track there, Pe pest oil. Get away from the petroleum-based ones these days. We, we used to oh. use the petroleum-based ones in our orchard situation. We had many lemon trees. And uh, we, we find de December, in, end of this month, November in, in, into December was a good, good good time to spray and then again put another one on in, in March. 
Oh, okay. Uh, it seems to, to do the trick. It's, it's pretty important to get a thorough coverage of your of your tree, yeah. and, and also if the if, if the ground is dry, uh, you know that you'll bring a few leaves. I think particularly the petroleum based ones, the the, the the new ones probably not not not, not so much, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, Ruth, if you uh, spray at those two times and give a good, even you know, a, a good coverage underneath and the stems and the top of the leaf uh, 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 over the top, uh, that's the way, that's really the way, way to go. Yeah. All right, then I'll keep on. Yeah. And my second question, um, probably to Roger or Gwen, I've been trying for a long time now to find a, a source for a particular baronia, which I've got one growing in my garden, and I find it's just excellent. The perfume is wonderful, and you can smell it all over the place. Okay. And it's called um, Jared's Purple. Jared Purple, mm. yeah, okay. That, that should be around in various places. Um, I found it very difficult. They okay. look at me as though I've got two heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, look... Uh, I know you're a long way from Karanga Nursery up in Mount Evelyn, but yeah. uh, but if you happen to have somebody who wants to drive you up there, it's uh, uh, this time of year. It'd be a wonderful display in the nursery anyway. But they they usually stock it, um, oh, okay. and sometimes even some of those big places I've seen it oh. there too. But oh, okay. um, um, yeah, would but, it be too late at this time of the season to keep on? No, no, Asking. no, because um, yeah, there, there's a, a propagation nursery called Green Hills Propagation there out of Tainong, and they, I know they propagate it and sell it, um, so it should be around in, in nurseries. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, well, but it is a lovely plant. For people who don't know, it has a very deep purplish flower. It's quite a vigorous grower. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's surviving. It's... Um, one of my many early garden mistakes <laughs> of many. <laughs> I planted it a really a bit too close to uh, peaches and cream. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's been fine and it's persisted, okay. and that's why I really think it's yeah. worth. Um, you don't do any I propagation mean, yourself? Do you do any propagation? I've not been brave enough. Well, what have, a, I have give, to give it do? a go. Give it a go. All right. Well, um, tell me what I have to do, yeah, and I will. Yeah, just um, after it finishes flowering, there'll be it'll put on you know new growth. Yeah. And uh, probably even February might be a good time to do it, um, mm-hmm. and just take some of the tip tip growth or the cuttings, yeah. and um, probably say around about uh, or four centimeters or so, a bit or a bit yeah. Um, three or four centimetres long. And, Hang um, on, do you mean inches? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I better say inches. About six, okay, six centimetres, so say. Say yep. six centimetres. And, yep. um, and just take out the tips, the soft tips. Yep. And even if you get a little bit of uh, a hormone, uh, there are things yep. around I've liquid. Got the, yeah. yeah, okay. And, uh, and put it in a, uh, a well drained cutting mix and even mm-hmm. just you know stick a bag over the top of the pot and just see how you go because they they usually root quite readily 
Okay, so, um, sorry, did you say January, February? Yeah, yeah, end of January, February might be a good time for it. But you could even try some sooner too, you know. You could try some today because the plant will respond well to the pruning. Yeah, as long as the growth Uh, is is not. Yeah, I mean, you could try a a pot now and you could try another Mm. pot. It depends if you're going away over the Christmas period, of course. No, no, will be around. Okay, well, try a few batches and you'll get some to root, I'm sure. And so give, give the cuttings plenty of light but keep them out of the... Sunshine, but they, yeah, they need no, plenty I've of got light. a good place for okay. that. All right, yeah. give it a go. All right, I will. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot to everybody. Okay, bye. Right. bye. Right, next up, we're going to Pam in Coburg. Good morning, Pam. Oh, good morning. Roger's already um, given an answer to the first question I was going to okay, ask. Okay, good. About, but I do have just one question about the Saracenia whether okay. they um, accept. Half sun. Yeah, look, no, they'll be they'll be fine in that sort of condition because I know we've got one pot on the on the southern side of our place and it does all right, and the three pots are out on the northern mm. side. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, they're, they're pretty adaptable sort of things. Good. Well, I'll give L- them. As long a go. as they don't dry out, that's that's yeah. the most important okay. thing. Yeah. So I was actually on the phone and I missed most of what you were saying, but I did pick up at the end. Okay. I was actually getting in the queue at that stage. <laughs> I got off and thought, oh, my goodness, that's the question I was going to ask. Yeah. Anyway, the other one is for Graham Morrison. Yes. Um, and I also missed a bit of what you were talking about with rootstocks for sure. citrus. Yes, yes. Um, so I have, I'm wanting to do some citrus for a play, my daughter's place at Lancefield, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of frost there, but there's also mm-hmm. quite a lot of successful... Yeah. Uh, citrus trees there, good, good, yes. and it looks like they're using trifoliata because the rabbits yes. have eaten one, and that's <laughs> yeah. what it looks like <laughs> good, 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 <laughs> coming yes. up from the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's a group of friends in a heritage fruit group who are buying some rootstock, mm. and they've been uh, the supplier has suggested they try Cox's mandarin. Okay. Mm. as an alternative yeah, to trifoliata because yeah, it's yeah. compatible with the Eureka lemon. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And I can't really yeah. find any information about its cold hardiness. Mm, yeah. I wondered if you have any... Just, just from what uh, the speaker I was listening to last week we, we, we was saying, your mandarin stocks are more suitable for alkaline soils. I'm not too aware of whether it's acidic or alkaline and open land. Why is acidic up there? Yeah. Is it acidic, did you say? Mm. Yeah, yeah, quite so, acidic. Yeah, acidic, yeah. yeah. yeah well, um, I think the other the other one that's uh, sort of to, to take a bit of each is what they call sit range, uh, and which is a suitable stock. But, I, I, you know, your trifoliata is a good stock for your acidic and reasonably heavy soils. It's a little bit on the slow side, you know, you, you, you put on some of the other stocks and the, it gets away. But, you know, for general people in home, home garden situations, you don't want a whacking big tree anyway and you don't get that with, with uh, trifoliata. There's mm. another relation of uh, trifoliata, the closer you uh, a seedling from it, that they call flying dragon. And, and that, mm, that one is yes, quite, know, that, that's, that quite, that, that's quite dwarfing, you know. You, uh, yeah, uh, it's but, more. Uh, it's just about the eureka lemon and uh, not mm, doing well on trifoliata. Yeah, that's, that's but, true. Um, there's an, in, in, there's an in, incompatibility there. Yeah, I, I think I tend to go for sit range. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, eureka okay. lemon goes okay on sit range, but yeah, but it, and it's tolerant to frost. 
To my knowledge, there's not a lot of you know you've, you're dealing with the top rather than the root the the, 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 the rootstock for, uh, frost, for frost tolerance, uh, and I wouldn't have thought you know that would have played a big part to tell you the truth. Oh, I think uh, it's just that the trifoliata slows down severely in winter, so there's not a lot of mm, new growth yeah, left on top. Anyway, this cop mandarin is a fairly new one. No, I'm not not aware of that one. I don't know, other than that you know it's 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 a more suitable for alkaline soils. Yeah. And I thought yeah. if you've got an well, acidic... Well, it might acid- in Coburg, but yeah, not but acidic it. soils, it may not be the way to go. Yeah. Mm. Um, you've mentioned a few times the Orlando Tangelo. Yes. Mm. Is there any way we can get hold of... Yeah, look, I, uh, a guy called Philip rang the last time I was in here and I crack it up and it's, a, it's really a great uh, uh, Tangelo. Uh, and I, I promised him that I'd look around and I rang up every diff, diff, different supplier of citrus, citrus that I know of and I've nursed them for many years so I had a lot of contacts but no one had that, that, that particular variety. I mentioned it to Ian Tolly and he said if you keep, 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 keep talking to me on, on the in, in, internet I might be able to find some. The only other thing is I've got two trees in my place and there's nice new growth on them if someone wanted some budwood from me I'm, I'm you know create your own tree or if you bought a seedling over to me I would bud it for you sort of thing oh that'd be fantastic I've got a couple of rootstocks now when would be the best time to do that right on now from now till Christmas time is ideal for putting your budding budding in yes so how do I get in touch with you yeah I'll give you give you my mobile if you like Mm -hmm. you've got 041 yeah 848 yeah 2610 all right, I'll yeah. give you a call and yeah. arrange that. Yeah. Thanks good very good. much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Right, next we have uh, Sue out in Narringwaran North. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning, everybody. Um, first of all, I'd like to ask Graham. I've got a blood plum tree. I don't know what variety it is because it was here when we moved. Yes. And mm. last year and this year, it's got no plums on it at all. Mm. And I've always had... Lots and lots, so mm. I don't know what's gone wrong. Yeah, it's probably the two two one. The Satsuma was one, at, uh, uh, and Mar- Mar- Mariposa is the most pop- popular one. It's a, it's a good, good good blood plum, but it's generally weather related. You know, if you get get, get bad times when the flowers come come, come out, uh, I think the old Satsuma required. Uh, Another, you know, plum for, for pollination, mariposa on its own is okay. But if it's given you fruit in the, you wouldn't have had another plum tree there earlier in the piece, and that's gone, and so it's missing its pollinator. Well, well, somebody because there's it's sort of semi-rural here, so somebody must have had a plum tree. So yes. maybe somebody's taken it out. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the last two and last year I thought it was the weather because I heard Stephen's. Brian saying that he didn't get any, but like having said that, I've got a um, uh, European plum down the back or yes, two, yes, yes. and that's got plenty on it. Yeah, so yeah, sure. uh, I don't d- know. D- different. The European wouldn't help you with the pollination. No, you I know. Yeah, Jap- that's Jap- Japanese, of course. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I think uh, from memory, me, me, Narrabeen is a, a, a plum that will pop, pop, pollinate Satsuma. If the Satsuma is the, the old. Uh, 
Caldivar, whereas Mariposa is the, the, the new one. If, yeah, was, well, was the fruit fairly leathery skin? To, skin do you remember? Fairly uh, small? Or no, big? they were quite big. I mean, yeah, you know, when we first moved, we've been here 20 odd years and yes. I used to make jam and yes. uh, yeah, now yeah. I tend not to because mm. we don't eat it. But mm. yeah, no, it's always been good until yeah, the last two years. Yeah, sure. And and I've, uh, mm. I've got a peach. I think somebody up the road might have a beehive. I've been told. I'm not sure. Oh, yes. so, and I've always got plenty of bees. Sue, I've got a. I've got a. Uh, we've only got about one minute left. Did you want to ask about camellias? Yeah. Somebody asked me. Um, can you, when can you take uh, cuttings, or how do you propagate camellias that are too big to shift? The, uh, I think it's about Christmas time. They t- take the cu- cu- cuttings from those, mm. and they 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 they, they t- t- take reason, reason, yeah. reasonably well from cutting. That's right. They can be a bit slow, but yeah. that that would be the time to yeah. uh, as the, as the young growth firms up. Yeah. Oh, okay then. Yeah, no. Somebody asked me on behalf yeah. of somebody else. Okay, thanks for that. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 Oh, we've run out of time. Would you believe? For yet another week, it goes very quickly. I must sure. say. Um, uh, a big thank you to everyone. We haven't been able to cover any of these plants virtually, it Roger. It doesn't matter. Nor these citrus, but yeah. we've had lots of discussion yeah. <laughs> regardless. Um, a big thank you to the team. A huge thank you to uh, to Vicky and to Robin, who've been handling all the phone calls this morning. Um, you have been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm, as you probably gathered, I'm heading off overseas during the week, but... Uh, You'll be left in the very capable hands of A.B. Bishop for the next uh, three Sundays before I return. So uh, in the meantime, uh, as always, happy gardening and tune in next Sunday at 7.30. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.